Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my wife, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Oh, it's been a good week. Here it is. February 20th, 1999. It is that. Yeah, how you doing? I'm doing good today. How are you? I'm fine. I mean, like, I figure we just go as fast as possible. We're going to get you guys through your your drive in the morning or, or, or your drive in the evening or your homework or wherever you listen to these tapes at. We're going to get you through it, and we're going to... We're just going to go fast, fast, fast. It's going to be a 10-minute long episode. Holy shit. Why would we do that? Unfortunately, you know, even if we go fast, 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 it truly does not make their drive any faster. No, it's the, the drive starts when we start the, sh- the show and then it ends when we're done. Oh, it's magic, huh? It's, oh, 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 it's magic. No, no. Um, that's mine. But she's touching my soda, everyone. Because he does this thing where he doesn't our, tighten the top our of the soda. Pop, as we call it here in, in Michigan. And then if it gets knocked over, it spills everywhere. Yeah. And it's right next to our recording equipment. So yeah. It's kind of dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know what? I live on the edge, baby. Apparently. I'm a bad boy. I live <laughs> dangerously. I'm he eats crackers in bed and everything. Put it right here. <gasps> Yeah, right over the machine. He just moved it out of my reach, by the way, <laughs> and closer to the equipment. What's going on? That's the the title of this. Um, for for comedy, see politics, everyone. Sure, the impeachment is over. The jokes about it are not. Quote, it's the only kind of filter we have, says stand-up humorist Lewis Black, who's playing the comedy castle in a Royal Oak this week. I'll try to do his voice. A lot of you people might not know who Lewis Black is, but uh, and for a lot of comics, it probably beats that doesn't sound like it probably beats what they've been doing in their regular act. The reason I do politics is that I don't really have to work; I can just read the newspaper back to people. Generally, that covers it. It's that's lazy shit. I know. It's Dan Quayle is running again. Need I say more? The stage that Black performed on during his recent Comedy Central special was littered with newspapers. Kind of a reflection of where my material comes from and what's in my apartment. His stand-up delivery is much like that of a college professor whose classroom is a stage for gripping to a captivative audience. Griping, sorry, to a captivative audience. I was going to say, that sounds... I don't... Gripping a captivative... I don't agree. He's like an angry comic. That's what he does. He's. I, have you ever heard an, a comic that's like pissed off at everything? That's what he, he does. He's like... Mm-hmm. Ah! That's annoying. I don't like that. I don't he, like that voice. He's one of those people that talks about like uh, how like uh, Hanukkah is supposed to be better because you know you get eight days of presents. He's like he's like uh, what you don't realize is it's eight uh, eight days of terrible presents. Oh, a pen set. Oh, you forgot to take the name of the bank off the bottom of it. Oh, <laughs> like you know he's like it's a back to school holiday. Uh, Black fifty has been contributing his blustery opinions on current. Events to Comedy Central's quote the Daily Show for about three years. Yeah, uh, there is a lot of more political humor in comedy now. the The new dude on the Daily Show is named John Stewart, uh-huh. and he does a lot of uh, political stuff. He he was on he had an MTV show and stuff like that. So, he's, so 
I, I, li- I liked Craig Kilborn a lot, but I like this John Stewart too. It's kind of like, you know, Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Yeah, I guess that's a, that is an interesting way to look at it, Carol. I like my politics with a side of comedy. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise it's boring as hell. That's true. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, politics is generally pretty boring. As boring as, you know, cigar sex can be, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> lately, cigar it's been, sex. lately, it's been hard for our politics to be boring. It's been hard. It has. Yeah. Is it hard right now? No. <laughs> Thinking about Bill Clinton and his cigar. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't say his name. <laughs> oh, sorry. Thinking about Bill Clinton. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I feel your pain. Feel something. I feel something else. It starts with a P. Um, Carol, was there an award for the best no show? <laughs> what the fuck? What if they gave an awards benefit and none of the A list awards winners came? That Ooh. almost occurred at Thursday night's Time for Peace Awards in New York. That would be so depressing. Peacemake, peacemakers Steven Spielberg, Robin Williams, and others were no shows even though their names had been listed prominently on the $1,000 a seat invitation. The no-shows might have set a trend at the opening night party for New York's Winter Antiques show last month. Only John F. Kennedy Jr. dropped by for a little while. Uh, a solution? Bright Nights at the Whitney Museum next month honors no one at all. Okay. Interesting. Um, so people paid a thousand dollars a ticket, expecting that Robin Williams and Steven Spielberg would be at this event, and they weren't. Yeah, that's right. That's some bullshit. I'd be asking for my money back. I agree. I would too. I'd be pissed. Uh, can you say anticlimax? Um, sure. Anticlimax. Thank you. Uh, You're there, welcome. There was a ho hum feel to ER on Thursday night. As George Clooney's Dr. Doug Ross left the NBC medical drama with a whimper instead of a bang, Ross quietly resigned in semi-disgrace from Chicago's County General Hospital Aww. and headed off to a new life in Seattle. But in reality, he headed off to life as a fucking movie star. Well, that sucks. Why'd they have to make him leave sad? I don't like that. Yeah, I've st- I stopped kind of, I've kind of stopped watching the, ER. Yeah. But, Me too, but his character didn't deserve that. No, Dr. Doug Ross, we love him. <laughs> we love, uh, what's his name from Revenge of the Nerds, too? The one that didn't rape that girl. <laughs> There's only one? That's uh, that's a problem. <laughs> no, of the two main ones, Anthony Edwards is his name. Uh, first, he's up for the starring role in the remake of Shaft. Then he pals around the fashion creme de la creme at the New York's Ralph Lauren show, finally this week. Samuel L. Jackson got the brass pudding pot for being Harvard's hasty pudding man of the year. But before he was potted by all the Harvard swells, <laughs> he washed his mouth out with soap, making not-so-symbolic amends for all the profanity his, he has spewed in his many films. What wow. do you think about that? Mm, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your... <laughs> Well-reasoned opinion <laughs> on Samuel L. Jackson. They're remaking Shaft. Uh-huh. Shaft. See, I didn't like... He's one bad mother. Shut your mouth. I don't think I've seen Shaft. 
Just talking about jazz. Part of the problem. It's a seventies black exploitation. It's hard for me character. to have an opinion about. It's like I have um, no experience with. What's the other one's name? It's like uh, there's another one too. Another big one. I can't think of his name. Uh but there's Shaft and there's I don't know others. <laughs> what about this though, Carol? The bug has struck. Many firms infected. Why two K fears? already ruining vacation plans. Oh, no. Even though New Year's Eve is still more than 300 days away, tens of thousands of employees in Michigan have been told not to plan year-end vacations because of concerns over the year 2000 computer problem. So far, the vacation pinch affects 8,800 workers at Comerica, 8,400 at Detroit Edison, and 2,000 at computer service company Sintel, according to officials at those companies. Wow. Yeah, Y2K, everyone. Can they really do that? Can they really just be like, hey, don't plan your vacation for this time? Apparently. That's bullshit. Uh, Some computer experts fear uncorrected computers and computer memory chips could think it's the year 1900 and shut down or spew out bad information. I love that they have, like, this is so stupid to me. I'm sure... I will take it to the bank that fucking nothing is going to happen. They like they think it's going to be the year 2000 and the computer's going to see 00 instead of 99 or whatever and be like, "Oh fuck, it's the year 1900. We don't even exist and just explode." <laughs> I mean, computers don't know that. You know what's funny is that's part of what the main character of the movie we watched I know. was doing. That's why I saved that one yeah. for the last story that we did. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's kind of fucked up. But at the same time, I feel like they should have planned for this because obviously this year was going to come. I mean, mm-hmm. they they started making computers in the, what, 50s? Yeah, about that. I mean, did they really think the world's going to end between the 50s and 2000? Maybe with the nuclear device. That's true. Maybe they did. But, uh... I mean, Nostradamus thought so. so. Sure, Nostradamus, that idiot. <laughs> let, me, let me make uh, 400,000 predictions. And then uh, 400 years from now, people can comb through all of them and be like, hey, this one, if you change this letter and that letter, it says Hitler. <laughs> yep. Wow. Anyway, so I think it's pretty ridiculous. But not ridiculous was the movie we watched this week, Carol, because we watched Office Space. We did. I liked this movie so much. Mike Judge. Michael Judge. He looks like Brandon Fraser a little bit. Uh, he wasn't in the movie. Oh. Well, the main character of the movie looks like Brendan Fraser a little bit. I guess the smaller version of <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Tiny Brendan Fraser. I guess. His name is something that I don't remember off the top of my head, but he definitely has a name. Ron Livingston. Okay. His name is Ron Livingston. He was in Swingers, which we saw oh, a couple yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. He was the friend that said somehow they know not to call you John Favreau. Until you're over them. Exactly. But yes, he uh, and they played golf together or whatever. He's in this movie. He's the star of this movie. Michael Judge, creator of Beavis and Butthead, and also uh, something called King of the Hill, uh, wrote and directed this movie. Okay. Based on the shorts, we've all seen them. The Milton shorts. Uh, the guy. I haven't seen them. The guy. That, oh, okay. Sorry. The guy sitting at his desk, like. Me, 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 me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, in the building down, you know, that guy. See, I don't know that guy. Played expertly by Stephen Root. Is it weird that I somehow missed an entire comic? It's not a comic. It was a sh- it's shorts. They, they they would show it on MTV. 
in between stuff. It was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, too. this is back Carol, to my Carol, not having cable. Carol doesn't like. Well, they showed him on Saturday Night Live as well, but Carol doesn't like Saturday Night Live. So sorry, right. everybody. She doesn't watch it. That's true. That's why we rarely talk about Saturday Night Live or any skits that are on Saturday Night Live. Sorry, I suck, everybody. We don't. Uh, I'm not. We don't. <laughs> uh, we don't watch it much. That is true. Although, like, if there's a, somebody who's going to be on that I really like, then, you know, I wouldn't mind. Every once in a while, we watch the Sarah Michelle Geller episode. Right. And, yeah. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Everybody awake out there? If uh, if the da- if any of the Dawson people are on there, we'll probably watch that. Sure. Anyway, Carol, so what did you think of Office Space? I really, really liked it. Um, What'd you like about it? It was hilarious. Like, it was very funny. Um, the scene where they beat up the fax machine is just fucking priceless. Yeah. Like I have lost my shit over the fax machine at work before. I, I get it. I think most of us get it. Like this movie is very relatable. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, just like anybody who's worked in a cubicle, you understand like there is, there's no sunlight. You feel like a mole person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. What would you do with a million dollars, Carol? Two chicks? <laughs> no. Okay. What would I do with a million dollars? I would move to Europe. Nice. And buy a really nice house in Europe. Svenska? Maybe. maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to learn Swedish, everyone. Yeah. Uh, for our, all da. of our Swedish listeners out there. Uh, <laughs> He's doing much better than I am. Mm. He knows a lot more words than I do. It makes me uh, happy for him and sad for me. Oh, you'll be all right. Anyway, um, so... Rolik, right? Rolik's funny. funny. Damn it. Rolik means uh, funny. But this movie was Rolik. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. I don't know the word for movie yet. Yeah. But Rolik, yeah. Rolik. Uh, anyway, so um, Lot is, that's nice. Lot. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Swedish people in the world that are listening to these tapes. Talk? Is that, that's please. Not yeah. thank I you. think it's also thank you. I think it doubles as please and thank you. Okay. Talk. Like aloha. Exactly. Exactly like that. So office space. Uh, was, well, I, I liked it uh, quite a bit too, actually. Um, the the beginning of the movie, I kind of got the tone they were going for right away. Yeah. And there's just a beautiful sequence of... There are three main characters in traffic, mm-hmm. and we get everything we need to know about both our three main characters and our villain in that opening traffic scene, because Peter, played by Ron Livingston, is stuck in traffic, and it's the classic situation where the the lane next to him is just moving, 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 and he's stuck, and he gets over and then that lane stops, and the lane he was in starts moving, and he gets over, and it's like they can never time it right. Yeah, so just stay where you are, man. Like, don't switch lanes at the grocery store or in a traffic jam. And there's a man in a walker that's just, like, <laughs> greatly yeah. outpacing him. It's awesome. It's it, it's a perfect, like, it's perfectly filmed and staged. And we get everything we need to know about his character in that he's frustrated, he's apathetic, he cannot get ahead. Like mm-hmm. it's it, the whole thing is like a metaphor for his life. Yeah. He's stuck where he is, and then we see 
uh, um, what's his name? Samir is that mm-hmm. their 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 uh, Indian friend? Yeah, and or Pakistani friend, and he's he's fucking pissed off. We see like we see all the rage inside him. He's banging his uh, yeah his steering wheel and everything, and we get everything we need from him, like in his characterization, and then we see Michael Bolton <laughs> listening to his rap. rap. He's listening to rap and he's singing along with it and everything and he's super into it and it's it's uh what's his name Mike um Killer Mike uh doing uh the rap and everything and then he sees a black guy selling flowers or whatever on the side of the road and he makes sure to, to turn the music down and lock that door. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. So it's like, you know, he's a poser kind of. Now, like obviously that's racist as shit. Yeah. But at the same time, anybody should all you should always have your doors locked because it's been a problem at least around here of people getting carjacked. It's yeah. an issue. Yeah, I mean, well, it happens a lot in Detroit. I don't think it would happen as much in a in L.A. crowded traffic jam. Is in that LA. where they are? Yeah, they're in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and then the villain, we get everything we need to know about him in this opening spot too because he we don't see him in traffic. Presumably, he didn't have to deal with traffic coming in. He pulls in in his blue Porsche into the spot designated for him, Bill Lumberg, yeah. uh, vice president of operations or whatever it says, for their company. And his license plate of his Porsche says, my Porsche. Which is so stupid. Right above the Porsche logo is the license plate. And yes, it is stupid, and it gives us everything we need to know about him. He's vain, dumb, and materialistic. And, and he and you know and he gets all the special treatment because yeah. he's got the the parking spot. And he had he gets out of his car with a big smile on his face. Well, yeah, he's life's leading, great. He's leading a charmed life. Sure. So that's we need. We, like I love that in this like f- with no dialogue either. Yeah. Because the the music's playing and the credits are going. And in five minutes, we know everything we need to know about the main characters of the movie. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Do they they touch on uh, Jennifer Aniston's character towards the beginning too, or is it not until they go in to see her? I no, it's not until they go in okay. to see her. That's when that's when we get her character. We do most of the movie is told through Peter's point of view. Uh, there's a lot of there's some objective filmmaking. There's some subjective filmmaking, but most of it's told from his point of view. But we do. Uh, we get a little bit of her too, separate mm-hmm. from from them, because she's dealing with the bullshit of work life uh, in a restaurant. It, it, yeah, in a restaurant, in a, in a different way than he's going yeah. through. They work at Inotech, which is different than Inotrobe, which is different than Nuotrobe, which is different than uh, than Logitech, which is different. Than, they they mention like seven different companies, and they're all. A take on Inna and Tech and mm-hmm. Trobe, <laughs> you know it's it's yeah. hilarious because it it really does reinforce in a subtly funny way. This this movie is very subtly funny. It's the best kind of humor, the dry, sarcastic type of humor. Right. But it really reinforces how interchangeable and stupid all these different companies are. Sure, I mean, I wouldn't say they're stupid. Well, I some of, like a lot of them. This movie's about the bullshit of office politics and yeah. and the just the dumb busy work that everyone is doing all the time. That, that a lot of it, a lot of which doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, well, because their company's actually going through 
like one of those uh, what efficiency experts comes in and like reorganization or something yeah, like that. The, yeah, they're like basically like interviewing for their job again, having to explain everything they do. So yeah, I mean we get a, a lot of that. I can't think of the name of the actor. I, I wish I could because he has a very small part in this movie, but he's brilliant. They go to so to to kind of start things out. I don't want to really go plot. Plot line by plot line. Right. We don't really do that for movies. But like at the beginning, uh, they have something called TPS reports. I don't even know what they are. Oh my god, this is hilarious. But he the our main character I don't think it matters what they are. Our main character, Peter, forgot to put a cover letter on them, which is something that they're they're doing newly now. And he gets told by Lumberg, who is also a character from the shorts that you haven't seen. Uh and it also played great by Gary Cole. Hilarious. He's like, Peter, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to have you go ahead and, uh, you know, like he's talking about his TPS reports. Now he didn't put a cover letter on there. He's like, do you have that memo? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got the memo. I just forgot and everything. He's like, yeah, well, you see, we're putting cover letters on them. He's like, I know. Yeah, it's like he's not even listening to him in any way. Like he's, it's like he's talking to a wall. Yeah. Because... He's like, we'll get you another copy of that memo. And, and he's then, like, I have it, right? He had and, it. You know. And then another boss comes by and exact same conversation. Mm-hmm. Then he gets a phone call and it's another boss. We don't hear them on the line, but he's like, yeah, I got the memo. <laughs> and it's like, so he's he has to go through all this shit because he forgot one thing. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, So he wants to get out of there and go to Flingers, or no, uh, Tchotchkes. Tchotchkes. Which I love. Tchotchkes, if you, for those of you who aren't Jewish, uh, it's a little useless crap. And it's a uh, it's a take on uh, TGI Fridays or... Benigan's? Huh? Benigan's? Yeah, Benigan's a little bit too. Any of those restaurants with, with just crap on the wall. Yeah. Um. So they're they're going there, and that's where we find Jennifer Aniston. But they um, they have this conversation and everything. He's like, "Oh, I'm, I I have this big crush on Jennifer Aniston because you know she's in Friends, um, and uh, I can't ask her out though because I'm a loser." And he, and he's got a girlfriend, kind of like. It seems like they're in a very precarious place in their relationship. Yeah, well, no, he does have a girlfriend at the beginning of the movie. It does not last long, but he does have one. But, and, he, but he keeps saying, they're like, aren't you going on? He's like, I'm trying to make things with Ann work and stuff. It seems like they're going through stuff. Well, yeah, and then he keeps saying that he thinks she's cheating on him, and everybody is like, yeah, I yes. think so, too. I got that feeling, too. <laughs> but they, um, so then they they leave. This is the part I wanted to, because I just love the way this is filmed. They leave the restaurant and they're accosted by one of their their employees who I cannot remember. Like I said, I can't remember his character's name and I cannot remember the name of the actor. But he's been in other stuff and he's very good. Yeah. And he's like, uh, the sufficiency expert's coming in and saying the stuff you were saying. Like, you've got to interview for your own, your own job. And, and he's all like doom and gloom and stuff. And I love it because the camera's pretty far back. It's like wide angle lens. But we see that the lawn between where their uh, their work is and the restaurant mm-hmm. is like a big dip and everything. And they're just like fucking hoofing through this ditch and trying to and they're like struggling through it. It's really like another subtly funny thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like rent, venting and saying like, hey, you know, we're all going to get laid off. We find out later why he's so worried. Yeah, because he does nothing. Yeah. 
they're asking him like so what are you doing today and he's like i deal with the customers and they're like so you do this with the customers well no somebody else does that he takes the specs or the reports or something from the customers to the engineers we don't we never get uh, like a solid sense of what they do in this company they talk about shipping units they talk about engineers uh peter the only thing the only thing we know for sure is peter is going through code for banks to uh, change for the Y two K to to change the code so it's four digits instead of two. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all we know that they're doing. But um, yeah, he's like, I take the the prospectus or whatever from the customers to the engineers, and they're like, well, why couldn't the the customers just give them to the engineers? He's like, well, engineers aren't good with people. I'm, I'm good I, with people. I have, I have people skills, and they're like, oh, okay, so you physically take them from the customers. Well, no. They like they mail them in or fax them or give them to my secretary. And they're like, well, you, you physically take them to the engineers then, right? And he's like, well, I mean, no, sometimes. <laughs> and it's like, so, like, all of this could just be an email, like an email to an engineer. Like, yeah. There's no reason for his job. Yeah. There's, um... Oh man, I can't remember anyone's name. I should have wrote written all everyone's name down. Um, well, it's kind of hard when we're in the theater. The efficiency experts are played by two guys, Bobs, the Bobs, and one of them uh, is uh, oh John McGinley, John C. McGinley, I think is his name. He's been in a couple of uh, of other things that I've seen, and I think he's really funny. He is hilarious in this movie to me. Another one where he knows exactly what he's like. He knows exactly what movie he's in. He knows exactly how to play it. Everyone is pretty pretty understated. I think. I think everyone does their their job pretty well as far yeah. as acting goes. But just a really tightly written good script. It is. And the plot of the movie mm-hmm. is that this guy is trying to save his relationship, so he goes to a hypnotherapist with right. his girlfriend. Yeah. And when he's being hypnotized, he's being told, you know, you're going to go into a relaxed state and have no worries or whatever. And and then, you know, when I count to three, Mm -hmm. you'll come out of the state. Mm -hmm. And the guy has a heart attack and dies right before he says three. So he's just left in this state. Right. Which is never resolved. No, it's not resolved. It's resolved by one line, I guess, is supposed to be the resolution. Is he was like, yeah, I don't know what happened to the therapist or whatever. He's like, maybe it was just shock or whatever, realizing that life is short He's like, whatever it is, is like kind of worn off because you can you can see as we go through the movie Mm -hmm. that it does wear off. Yeah, I think that this is how I interpret it for the first like maybe three days, like two or three days. He's under the influence still of this hypnotherapy. And then like slowly he kind of comes out of it. And I think he realizes those days were so much better than the rest of my days. And that guy just fucking died in front of me. And I think the shock of that really did was like changed his character and was like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck being miserable all the time. And I think that's when he just decided I'm just going to do I'm just going to act the way I want to. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get for the rest of the movie. So it makes sense. It is it is never really resolved, but it it makes it makes sense. And he does kind of address it. Yeah. But um, I do think it's funny. This is another like darkly funny thing. When he's in the hypno the hypnotherapist's office, he's talking and he's like, I realized that um every day of my life is worse than the last day. 
So anytime you're seeing me, it's on the worst day of my life. Yeah. And he's like, what about today? Is today the worst day of your life? He's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, that's the basic plot. And so he he just decides, I'm not going to play the game anymore. I'm not going in on the weekends, even though they want me to, because fuck that. And I don't even want to work anymore. I'm not even going to go, you know, into work anymore. Fuck this. And he, he goes into work for one thing, to pick up some stuff. Right. And and he just happens to, because, like, his buddies are like, hey, you know, you're supposed to have a meeting with the, the Bob guys. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll talk to him for a second. <laughs> like, just, just, like, whatever, you right. know. And then he starts talking to them, and he, like, charms the fucking shit out of them. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, like... He's, I guess it's just the honesty of saying like, hey, I don't do any fucking work and I'm not motivated to do any work and all this stuff. And we kind of, it's like sort of fades and stuff because we get the idea that they talk for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably like the dream for these guys to have somebody actually be honest with them because everybody's mm-hmm. always trying to watch their own self-interest in yeah. these situations. But it's so funny because like this is one of the ways I think John C. McGinley is so good in this movie is he's like... Hey, this is just a hypothetical, but like hypothetically speaking, if you had like stock options or something like that, would that motivate you more? He's like, I don't know, I guess. And then he looks so happy. He gets this <laughs> big smile on his face and starts not, like he just wants to please this guy. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, the cat is distracting me again because he's batting around a little bead. And Oh wow. I don't he's not gonna eat it, right? No, nah, he'll be fine. Don't die. Uh you can pick it up if don't you want. Don't die, kitty. Um so the other part with him that I think is really funny is later he's talking, they're talk. they're doing the evaluations and they're like, yeah, this guy that doesn't do anything, like he can get fired and this, these people can get fired and this guy can get fired. Um, and Milton, uh, got fired like five years yeah, ago, laid off. but for some reason, uh, they kept paying him. There was like a glitch in the payroll. So we just fixed that. Well, they never told him he was fired either. Yeah, they also never told him. So he wasn't fired right. then. If you kept paying him and you never told him, then he wasn't fired. Yeah. But they're like, well, we just fixed the glitch in the payroll so he won't get paid anymore. So it just, it just resolve itself. Which is ridiculous. You don't just do that to somebody. That's then, evil shit. Yeah, no shit. But then they start talking about Peter and they're like, we want to talk about this Peter guy. He's uh, he's a straight shooter with upper management written all <laughs> over him. And Lumberg is like, mm, I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with you there. And you can see... John John C. McGinley gets so fucking pissed. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, and the other Bob is like, oh, he's like, I'll deal with this. He's <laughs> like, yeah, we think the problem is is that you're, he's not being motivated. You're not pushing him. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're blaming uh, Lumberg. <laughs> oh, my God. And they start talking about, what do you do around here? They pull <laughs> that was awesome. Smile. I loved it. Um, But, yeah, I think... The movie speaks to a large section of the population, I think, uh, about that have to work just about the rat race and 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 the futility that you can feel and the just the soul crushingness that you can feel when you're doing something that you don't love. Yeah, that I mean that's the that's the thing. It's everybody really should try to find something that they love. I mean, they do mention like. Well, for everybody, that question, the million-dollar question uh-huh. I asked you, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? Because oh, it's supposed to to tell you what you want to do. 
And the one guy's Michael Bolton's like, well, that's, that question's bullshit anyway because then we wouldn't have like ditch diggers, right. and janitors, and shit like that. And it's like, yeah, that's true, but some people do like those. Jan- I mean, yeah. not nearly as many as would like being a movie star or something like that. But there are people that do like their work. As well, yeah, there janitor. are people who enjoy like working with their hands and mm-hmm. working outdoors, and yeah. like there are jobs that sound awful to you that might sound awesome to somebody else. Exactly. But we we definitely have fewer like fast food workers and you know things. Sure, there are people who love to cook. Yeah. But you know, you'd have fewer people cooking flipping burgers. Yeah, I guess. I, I just I, I, I do I do understand his point, but I do think it's nice when the majority of people can find something that they love to do. It would be that would be awesome. What would you do if you had a million dollars, by the way? Probably write. Yeah. Write do this. Well yeah, see I I, I would do the, I would do this and, and just and like, you know, and not have to do anything else, but I'd probably write more. I mean, if that's what you mean is like, what would you do if you could do anything rather than necessarily what would you do with a million dollars? Then, yeah, I would do this and I would do volunteer work. Yeah. So. What would you do with a million dollars out there? Uh, late fee 1994 at AOL.com. Oh, yeah, sure. Share what you would do if you, if basically if you didn't have to work, if you had all the money you needed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fantastic movie. I don't have any much more to say about it really other than the the ending so not to give away too much stuff but although go see the movie um this is another one we got kind of a, a sneak peek of so we'll be back to seeing movies that you guys uh you know are seeing at the same time as us next week but um you know what would you do uh or i mean uh not to give too much away about the the ending of this this movie or anything but the the resolution I thought was good of of the film. Yeah, the resolution of everything that happened. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, I think they I think they wrapped up the movie nicely. So, so yeah, if you're wondering, go see it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that is the episode for the week. Carol, tell people where to uh, steal some money from. So you can write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Yes. And share the tapes with your friends. Oh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.